Awesome. It's amazing. I just want to say well done to the ladies who have bought. I think most of you have, which is a really a good sign that we all are getting behind this. Um, amazing how God even fills these things. Like, we're in the Middle East. Uh, we don't have kind of the luxury. We were driving this morning, and I saw a whole bunch of billboards for some fashion thing. And I, I said, so one day we'll have scarlet on those billboards, you know? And uh, that's what we need to keep dreaming, that God is going to shift things here, possibly even like Bahrain. Who knows? Uh, but in the meantime, we're faithful and we keep moving forward. So this is part five of the never-ending series. Um, do, you guys, do you watch the never-ending story? Who, who watched that growing up with the dog? All, the, all these 80s kids. It's amazing. And 70s. <laughs> and anyone's born in the 90s? 96. Born 94. That's like the year of like the best music. Nirvana, Pearl Jam. We have to explain to Sneha in, sometimes in the office because she's so young who these bands are. I'm like, have you heard of Ryan Adams? She goes, no, I've heard of Brian Adams. So, I presume a lot of you haven't heard of Ryan Adams, clearly. Um, uh, there's, so anyway, we're teaching her stuff. So this is the never-ending series. Ah, remember that? Anyway, okay. Just warming you guys up a little bit. Can you turn in your Bibles to Romans 8, please? Romans 8. You're going to be singing that song the whole day. I actually want to, I was picking up some old 90s movies. I was like favoriting them on iTunes that I want to watch at some point. And those are some of the best movies. Uh, I think The Goonies was that late 80s, early 90s. They need to make a remake of that. Uh, obviously, Never Ending Story was amazing. Um, never got the whole plot, but just loved the big flying dog. It was a dude. I was easily distracted. So if you want a title, and this, um, uh, I won't make promises, but next week we've got Henry, uh, sorry, Alex and Bianca preaching at two different meetings. It's going to be powerful. Get your friends, family, bring your dog. They will even get saved. Um, if you believe in that, it's going to be amazing. But, um, so this is part five of Follow. And it's us following Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. And I've got a simple title, but it's Life of the Spirit. And at the top of your Bibles, it might even say that at the top of Romans 8. But I'm going to read a bit of scripture soon. But I want to start with this. There's a, a thing that David uh, wrote and said. He says, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And to be honest, I feel like that at times. I feel like that. I look, at, uh, I look back at a 17, a 16-year-old insecure version of myself. And to see how God has taken me here, that I'm leading a church in the Middle East, which is just crazy, uh, that I, I get to be involved in what I'm involved in, that we get to meet these incredible people, that we get to have influence, which is just, I, in my wildest dreams, I would never have thought I could have ever walked into this. I've been to many different countries to even mention here for the gospel. I've been to Malawi, Zimbabwe, South Africa, um, Mozambique, Jordan, Dubai, Bahrain, Australia, Sri Lanka, India, Nepal, etc., etc. I've been able to preach the gospel. I've been able to go to these different places that I never dreamed possible. And people are going, oh, wow, we live in Dubai. Of course you travel. This is, this is not normal. It's not normal to travel the amount that we do. And I, I want to say that this morning, just give glory to Jesus for what he's able to do in someone who's able to submit it. And I haven't got it right my whole life. I can tell you that. My wife can tell you that. Uh, I'm far from perfect. But I want to say that this morning, 
that if we learn to submit our hearts to the Spirit of God who is in you, if you follow Jesus, He's in you right now. If you learn to obey that Spirit as opposed to the Spirit of this world, our flesh, you will see God do incredible things in your life. You'll be like uh, the Bear grills of Christianity. And you'll go out and you'll do incredible adventures. It's because if you set your heart on a pilgrimage, as it says in Psalm 84, as we set our hearts on a pilgrimage to follow after Jesus, we'll go through good times, we'll go through bad times, but we'll be with Jesus and he'll be leading us every step of the way. A.W. Tozer says this, I want the presence of God himself. I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has or I don't want any. Can I say this morning, if we commit our hearts to pursuing Jesus, pursuing the presence of God, pursuing his ways above my ways, we will see God work in and through our lives in incredible ways that will blow our minds. And we'll look back in five, ten years' time and say, do you remember that moment when Dan spoke in church? I, I committed my heart. And I believe life, you have big moments, but I think it's made up with a lot of little moments, of little moments of obedience, little moments of choosing the right thing as opposed to choosing the way I want to go. And you start to see God work in and you. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. You see the dynamic move of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. It's like, it's like someone just pressed the, the play button. They were filled with the Spirit of God. From there, they went and planted churches. They were persecuted in Jerusalem. They went and planted churches across the world. They, uh, they started these hubs. Paul would go into an area, start a hub. From there, that hub would spread out to the point where it says that everyone in the province of Asia heard the gospel. And that is what God's plan for you and I is. And I think so often we get stuck in life, we get stuck in the day-to-day, the mundane, we choose the less ordinary for the extraordinary time after time, because sometimes the extraordinary is going to take faith, and sometimes the extraordinary is going to take us stepping out, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to require sacrifice, but I can tell you that that is where life happens. It doesn't happen in, let's just save till we're 65, and then hope for the best. Are you with me? Cool. So Romans 8, I'm going to read a bit of, quite a lot of scripture today, which I'm not going to apologize for because the Bible says we must dedicate ourselves to the public reading of scripture. So I'm going to force myself not to comment, but I'm just going to read with emphasis. Okay. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us. We thank you that it is alive, that it changes us, and it makes us more like you. In Jesus' name. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving uh, his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow the sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Thank you for Jesus because he helps us. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. I love how the Bible, you can just read it as is and it's just so convicting. 
But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. We're almost there. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. How many times does it say that? But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. God's word is power. I love that. Uh, For me, I didn't actually expect that it would impact me so much. I was just like, I felt like we needed to just read the scriptures. So I want to just, we're talking about uh, leading a spirit-led life. And it starts with one line at the beginning. It says this. For there is no condemnation. Say no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to start there because sometimes, and this is possibly what I've misread when people have preached around the Spirit of God. In my mind, I thought if I pray more, I do more, I sacrifice more, I ask more, the Spirit's going to come. But if I try to do that without the basis of acceptance in Jesus Christ, I'm going to keep urging my way to try to get the Spirit. And I want to say this, that it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation refers to the penalty of sin. You and I had the penalty of sin against us before Jesus Christ. We, we were lost. We were, the Bible says we we're enemies of God. We, we, there's, there's nothing we can do to get close to God. And I love that, that God, so God, you were an enemy of God, but he still loved you, so he sent his son to make a way so you can actually get to him. Amazing. The gospel is amazing. Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're justified by what? Faith. And faith is believing in the gospel of Jesus. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. This, I, I don't think we can preach the gospel enough. I don't think we can have the impact in, in anyone's life if we don't understand the gospel because otherwise we just get into this like religious ritual and we become like every other uh, religion in the earth where it's about us trying to prove our way back to, to God where God says, I've came and I stepped in in a human form and I died on the cross for you, for your sin. So you didn't have to carry that yourself. So you would have 
No condemnation. Let's shout it. The old is past. The new has come. We cannot impress God anymore right now because he's totally impressed with us. He loves us. He's pouring out his love upon us. I love the Passion Translation, which should come up behind me. So now the case is closed. Amazing. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. I've been watching a few lawyer shows on TV, Suits and others. Who's a Suit fan? It's, it's cool. We're only on season three, I think. It's, uh, it's, there's some moments where it's a little bit boring. But what I've learned in, in through that is that when cases are closed, they, they, I'd say 95% of the time they're closed because there's, there's been evidence that has been stacked against a person to prove them guilty and then they get either locked up or they have to pay a massive fine or do a massive settlement. And the amazing thing is that, that at times you'll see in different, and I also watch elementary, so I'm doing Bible prep as I watch different series, okay? But elementary, you have these moments where Sherlock, sitting in New York, he picks up a cold case that has been cold for 20 years, and he figures out who murdered that person, and the person ends up getting put behind bars. And it's almost like there's just, there's always, there's always something to condemn. There's always something to go back to. My, I have an example of, of this. I went through a red traffic light many years ago in Dubai. I will blame it on everyone else, but at the end of the day, I was just my fault. Um, I, t- I took over a truck, and the, I don't know if you guys know JBR, but there was, uh, many years ago, there was no traffic lights along that area, and there wasn't the one day, then the next day there was. So I pull out in front of this truck, and I go straight through, and I hit a guy. His car flips on the side. Thank the Lord he had one scratch on his head. Otherwise, I would not be preaching here right now. Um, but the point is, I went to court. I had to pay. It got, um, and then I thought I was in the clear, waiting for my passport to come back. And then, they, then someone else came and brought new evidence. So I'm like, where did they find this? Anyway, so then I had to go to the public prosecutor. And he brought up my past that I thought was dealt with at the one section. And then he brought it up again. And I feel like sometimes like that is what the enemy does. He, try, he brings up your past. He, he tries to pick up the cold cases. So you'll go, do you know what? I know the Spirit of God is moving in city lights, but you're not good enough. Do you remember that thing you did last night? Do you remember what you, what you said? Do you remember how you treated your wife? And then you get into this place and you sit here on a Friday and you're like, why am I not experiencing God? And it's not that you have a hunger problem. You want the Spirit. You have a gospel problem. You think it's up to you. And if we have to learn now just to put our faith in Jesus Christ, what he does is he goes and clears the evidence room. Any evidence against us, any penalty against us, anything that was stacked up against us, Jesus went and he took it away. So we can stand before him free. What an, the gospel is amazing. There is no condemnation We were all guilty before a holy God. Think of the worst sinner that you can imagine. Not yourself, maybe. Um, And then you think, so so often people talk about sin and you think, well, I'm not a rapist. Uh, I don't traffic people. I'm not on that spectrum. I'm like, I'm I'm pretty good. And the Bible is so clear on that. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We will never be good enough, even if we think we're good enough. If we are in Christ and we have faith in him, 
our past is washed away. It starts with a place of no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you may be feeling bad about stuff this morning, what you've done, you've hurt people. Jesus can forgive you right now. If you're in Jesus right now, if you've given your life even 10, 15 years, you're forgiven. There's moments that I believe we have to repent before the Father, come back to him because we've so walked away, but his love doesn't change. And I want to read something that Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. He was a preacher in the, in the 50s and 60s, even up to the 80s, I think. Incredible preacher uh, in England. He says, the difference between an unbeliever sinning and a Christian sinning is the difference between man transgressing the laws of the state and a husband who has done something that he should not do in his relationship with his wife. He's not breaking the law. He is wounding the heart of his wife. That is the difference. It is no longer a legal matter. It is a matter of personal relationship and love. That's an amazing way to see it. I've always, I've grappled through that thing. And I believe this, once you're in Christ, you're in Christ. Later on in, in Romans, it says that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. And I think if we want to live holy lives, it's not about us striving to do more. It's understanding that we are 100% clean before Jesus right now. If you have surrendered your heart to him, and that for me gives me more motivation than trying to be better, because you'll never be good enough. You can see the the Israel people try to be better and they were never good enough. So the enemy tries to bring you under condemnation. And the thing about condemnation, it's not going to come up and sneak behind you one day and then go, like, pounce on you. Oh, Bruce, you did all those things, now you're not worthy. It's like, it's, it's gone. It's completely uh, uh, taken away, which is the incredible truth of the gospel. I love what Martin Luther says. He says, when Satan tells me I'm a sinner, he comforts me immeasurably since Christ died for sinners. I love that. I I do not want to preach a gospel here that, and I've been reading quite a bit of um, just some commentaries by Tim Keller. Guys who preach the gospel, we need to get the gospel infused into our beings because that is what sets us apart from everyone else. We are saved not through our own works, not through how good we've been, but through how good Jesus was, how he was utterly perfect. In the Passion Translation, again, in in verse three, it says, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Amazing. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his own body as a sin offering so that God could once for all uh, condemn the guilt and the power of sin. Once and for all. It's done. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living in us. Amazing. Jesus, perfect Jesus, by the Spirit is living inside of us. That is how we fight sin. We don't fight by trying to not sin. We fight by realizing that we're controlled by something greater than our sin. And it's Jesus Christ. We are free to live, not according to the flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Spirit. Romans 8 is such a key part of, the, of, I think all of Romans, I've been going through Romans in my daily devotion and I've been going slowly so I need to catch up on days that I've missed out of the other scriptures. But I've been reading, I've been looking at commentaries, I've been making notes because we need to understand, number one in, in Romans 1, that we are utterly sinful without Jesus. We are enemies of God, we are objects of his wrath. But thanks 
Thank the Lord, I'm going to say, thank the Lord for Jesus who came and died in our place, that we are justified freely by faith. That, it was 500 years of the, of the Reformation where Martin Luther went and, go and hammered the 95 theses on the door, and his main thing was this, we're justified by faith and faith alone. It's, it's faith in Jesus Christ that we are set free, that we are set free from the power of sin over our lives. And so often I feel like as followers of Jesus, we, we prefer to be under the power of sin, so we keep living in that space. And I can tell you, that's when Romans, um, sorry, Hebrews 12, it says, it says, throw off every sin and, and everything that entangles you. And that's all well and good, but how, how do we do that? It's by understanding that the power of the Spirit is stronger, as we read earlier. The power of Jesus is stronger than the sin that lives within us. I don't want to miss out on things. Just give me a second here. This is how we change to become more like Jesus. This is how we have life in the Spirit. It's the inside changed to the outside. He begins, and I believe this, and this is the Bible, I'll, I'll, pre, I'll speak about this a little later, but it's the, the Spirit of God working in us, it's, it's, it's happening in us. And I've seen this when, um, when people have come into our church and uh, they're not believers they end up giving their life to Jesus. And I look, and I haven't even necessarily uh, spent time with them, but they start to change. I know that they've surrendered their life because the Spirit of God is now living inside of them, changing them. It's like, I, 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 so often as a pastor, you want people to kind of come in line and, and do all of this. And I've, I listened to a preach, and I had to remind myself that the Spirit of God knows what He's doing. If the Spirit of God led you to salvation, He's going to lead you through sanctification. No, you still need discipleship. You still need people talking into your lives. But I'd say 90% is done through the Spirit's work. No one needs to tell me that I've done something wrong. The Spirit tells me before anyone else. We need to learn to listen to Him. Okay. So the Spirit of God does three things. does more things, but I'm only going to do three today. Number one, the Spirit empowers us. The Spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life, say life, to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. There's, there's a difference, and I think Ryan may have spoken about this at the gifts course, but there's a difference between the indwelling Spirit and the infilling of the Spirit. The indwelling happens upon salvation. We give our lives to Jesus. The Spirit of God drew us to Christ. That's why we can never take credit. We throw the gospel net out every week, but it's who the Spirit is drawing to himself, who the Spirit is drawing to repentance. The Spirit of God comes and lives inside you. It's, it makes you more like Jesus. And over time, as you follow him and as we've gone through what it means to follow Jesus, we begin to look more like Jesus and we get the Galatians 5.22 text where we have the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, under these things, there is no law. Because God just begins to change you. He begins to mold you to become more like Him. That is the character of Jesus. I love Romans 8. It says, I think it's in the NLT. It says, uh, Romans 8, 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You've been set free from your sinful nature. And it's not like there's this overpowering sinful nature that always has to overtake. You know, like go back to that scripture and say, you have no obligation. I'm obliged now to follow the Spirit. I want to follow Him with everything 
inside of me. And then with the Spirit empowering us, there is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is Acts 1.8 and throughout the book of Acts. It says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is the empowering time. And I've had a few moments in my life that I could probably count on my hand that is key in us following Jesus. Uh, Artie Kendall talks about, he says, there's been a silent divorce that happened in the church where you had the word people and you had the spirit people. And there's something in my generation where it's coming back fully and the people have pioneered it back fully where it's about the word of God, yes, but it's about the spirit of God filling us, enabling us. Because we cannot be witnesses like Jesus calls us to be without the infilling and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I wanna wanna ask you guys, just obviously go read the scriptures around this thing, but just get before God and cry out to him. God does not, he will not neglect you in that moment. I've, I remember at one stage, I was like, God, I want more of your presence. And I had to get this thing right, that it wasn't my sinful nature, that whole thing which I've spoken about. But God, I want more of your presence, I want more of your power. And it was months that I prayed this. And then all of a sudden, there was a moment that God's presence came on me. And, and it often happens alone. Um, and, and he began to change me. This morning, I, was, I felt God, and it's again, I think it's often activated by obedience. Uh, I, I, sat, I went down on my knees. I cried to God. I felt like the Spirit of God was filling me again. We need those moments to follow Jesus, to be a witness for Jesus, to bring the kingdom of God to earth. The second thing that the Spirit does, number two, it assures us. The true children of God, let me just see. There we go. The true children of God are only those who are moved by the impulses of the Spirit. This is the Passion Translation again. Very kind of written in language we can understand. And he did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading back into fear of never being good enough. How much of Christianity is that? It's like, I want more of you, Jesus, but I don't feel good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words with affection, beloved father, Abba. Abba, there is a Greek word and the the closest translation they could find is daddy. And it's almost like this cry that comes out of our hearts. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being. For you are God's beloved child. Do we have that video by any chance? I want to show you a video just before we put it up. This girl has been fostered by her foster mom. Some of you may have seen it. Get ready to cry. Um, But she'd been fostered by a foster mom, and uh, they've just got news that she can be fully adopted. And it was on, uh, I think, NBC News. So thanks. Grabbed her shoulders. And I just said, have you heard the news, baby? Have you heard, honey, you get your forever family? My heart was so happy. It was like, ah, I was like screaming. Tana was so happy the adoption was final, she could not let go of Miss Jackie. She just kept holding me tight. She just held me tighter and tighter. And so I took advantage of that, and I just kissed her up one side and down the other. She's easy to cling on to. Tana's mom is grateful. The security camera, it's... Amazing picture of this girl... 
flinging into, that's not her mom, that's the teacher that told her the news, but just that, that, that exuberance that comes from this little girl about understanding that, that she's adopted. And I think what happens when people live in foster homes uh, is that they always have the fear of being rejected. And here you have this moment where legally that, that little girl was adopted, that nothing can take it away. And that's what happens when we join to Christ. We are legally adopted and he becomes our father and he loves us and he pours out his love on us. There's a few things that happen on uh, adoption. We get security. There's nothing that's gonna take it away. No matter what you walk through, no matter what struggles you walk through in life, there's nothing that'll take away this adoption. The amazing thing about adoption is that it's initiated by the parent. It's initiated by God the Father to you, to me, undeserved. But we come, all we can do is like, that is an Abba Father moment with that little girl. She's like, everything for him. It gives you authority. When we're adopted into his family, we have, we have authority over sin and we have authority over Satan. I want to tell you right now, you do not have to, there's, there's, I've been through moments, especially this year, where I've had to learn how to fight spiritual and this, uh, spir- get into spiritual warfare. And it's, it's understanding, and it always comes down to this, the authority that God has given you as a son and daughter of God. If you understand that, there's nothing that can come against you. And intimacy, obviously. Romans 8, 16, so it says, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Ryan and Bruce, can you come stand up here quickly? Chosen because they're both dressed almost exactly the same. Okay. Ryan is Ryan. Bruce is the Holy Spirit. They're joined together. There's, his spirit is joined with his spirit. And the thing is, Ryan can go his own way, says he, he's, but he, he doesn't. He can, though. And, uh, but if, he's, he, if he realizes this, that he's actually joined to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is God, knows better, knows what his future has for him, he needs to follow what the Spirit is doing. I was, can imagine the Holy Spirit may look like Bruce. Okay, no, no. <laughs> okay, go for it. How, did you guys like plan on matching or something? Okay, you know. Bruce is prophetic. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In verse 17, it says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. Just think about I, I, I encourage you to meditate on Scripture. Take a line like that. We are heirs with Christ. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. An heir is, in this sense, it's talking about the oldest son. The oldest son in those days used to get the lion's share of the inheritance. They did that so they could keep the inheritance going from generation to generation. What God is saying to us is that we are all the first sons and daughters. We get the inheritance. And it says, but if we are to share in his glory, some people's uh, prosperity gospel would stop right there, okay? Because they're like, yes, give me money, give me gold, give me this, give me that. It says, but if you are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And for me, that's, uh, I didn't like preaching that before. I'm going to be honest with you. Do you know why? Because I was, I, was, I, was, I was fearful that God would take me through suffering. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. And, uh, and I've realized this, that you're going to go through suffering whether you like it or not, whether you preach about it or not. And what I've known is this, that that is actually when God's voice is the loudest. 
It's, um, Charles Spurgeon says that the greatest uh, preacher's handbook is affliction. I love that. It's when you're going through tough times, that is where you're learning the most about yourself and you're learning the most about who God is. God, so obviously there's the language of the firstborn. We get his inheritance, which is amazing. We step his authority in sons. Some of the stuff that Ron was talking about last week, where we step out in authority in him. But then there's also the discipline of God. The Bible, the scripture we don't like to preach is God disciplines the ones he loves. He disciplines them. Why? Because he sees a greater future for you. And I can tell you, if you're walking through that, and it may, God can orchestrate different situations for you to be disciplined. You may have stepped into stupidity yourself, and then, then God will work that thing out. But sometimes you put in a hard situation at work. We have to submit to a boss that you, that you have no respect for. Sorry, guys and staff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but God will put you, God will put you in, in a place where you have, to be, you have to honor the person above you. You have to honor the people around you. And what he's doing is that he's, actually, he's disciplining you. He's bringing, he's molding you. He's making you more like Jesus because we haven't come as a full package. Our spirits are made alive, but we're on a journey to become like him. And then finally, we share in his suffering. And for me, this is simply this, and you look at what most commentators talk about is that it actually comes from a place that the gospel is not a popular, popular news. If we preach in the gospel properly, people should come running to the altar, just give their lives to Jesus, but it's also not a popular message because it stands for something. It stands for truth. It stands against injustice. And then finally, as we end, is that the Spirit brings freedom. For creation, the team, can you, the worship team, can you come up? For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subject, uh, subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that in, in, in that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And on the earth today, there's 27 million slaves, whether it's sex slaves, people working against their will, human trafficking, you're hearing stories about people that have been shipped from different parts of the world, 30, 40 people in a container, they, they, they get shipped, they may have been kidnapped or, or taken from somewhere, and they get shipped across, three of them live, they're starving, they're almost dead. And I feel like that's sometimes a picture what the enemy does. He'll, he will sell you a lie that walking into something is going to be for your benefit. But he actually ends up just throwing you in a container and he does not care if you die. He does not care if you rot. He doesn't care about you. But there's a heavenly father who loves you and cares for you and wants and is drawing you in. And um, it's, it's amazing. This, this Holy Spirit brings freedom. If you look at a slave, they're subjected to do stuff that don't, they do not want to do. They have to do things that, that, uh, that kind of uh, they could either be slave-driven or they have to sleep around unwillingly, all that kind of thing. The Bible says we're set free from, the, from slavery. We are set free. The Spirit of God does that inside of us. And I want to say this morning that God, I believe God wants to really do business in our hearts. And I, 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 those... First of all, I'm going to give a call a little bit later to those who have never surrendered their life to Jesus. You'd say, I'm coming this morning. I'm not perfect. I didn't come here to be perfect. We want the worst people here because Jesus came for those. Romans 8.23, it says, And we also groan as believers, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of the future glory. 
For we long for our bodies to be released from the sin and suffering. And I want to say this, that the Spirit of God brings freedom because it, it gives us a foretaste of a future world. One day there's going to be no sin, there's going to be no suffering, there's going to be no sex trafficking, there's going to be no uh, pain, there's going to be no uh, fear. We're going to live in a, uh, this, this world that is governed by Jesus. But in the meantime, the Spirit of God comes in and He breaks in and He gives us a foretaste of the future glory. And in those moments, people are set free. In those moments, people are healed. In those moments, people are saved. And I want to, just can we all stand to our feet? Jesus prays. And I wonder if we could just pray this all together. He prays, this is bow our heads. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's say it again. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we are praying that this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come and minister deeply into hearts? We're going to end off with a song very soon, but I want to just give the first call is this, while everyone's eyes are closed. If you have never ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come live inside of you by Spirit I want you to raise your hand quickly because I'd love to pray a prayer with you or if you need to come back to God you've been running there's been moments where you, you know you need the Father no one's looking and I want to encourage you if that is you please come and chat to any of the leaders up front community group leaders We'd love to lead you into the place of prayer and wholeness and healing. And I'm not going to ask people to raise their hands now, but if we're honest, we all struggle with sin. And I'm praying that the word as it came this morning, it just cut into our hearts and showed us that we do not have to be a slave to sin. But we can follow after the dynamic working of the Spirit in our lives. If that is you, just, just, just do business between you and God. And just say, God, I, I cannot carry this thing anymore. I've been trying not to. But I want to have freedom this morning. I want to have the freedom of walking in your ways, in your truth, in your life. Let the assurance of sonship rest on us this morning, Lord God. Those who had maybe a, a, a bad model of what a family should be, God wants to come and be your father this morning. He's a good father. He loves you. Could we're going to sing a song, then we're going to end, but could we do No Longer Slaves?